Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment and visit our website, www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You'll find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now, here's today's episode. Let's get started. My name is Adam Homie. I am your host. I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. We are coming to you from my sumptuous, luxurious balcony here in Las Vegas. It's beautiful outside. The sun is shining. The birds are chirping. The tree is flapping nicely in the wind right in front of me. That is a description of part of what makes being a business creator so much fun. And I got to tell you that it's not perfect. You know, it's a roller coaster ride, just like anything else. It's truly fun and exhilarating in your life. And part of what got me here is because I was willing to take the opportunity to bank on myself, invest in myself, believe in myself, create the Business Creators Institute, the Podcast Creators Institute, the Reach System, and all the other brands that have enabled me to make a difference for my community market and audience, which includes you, the listeners. Today, we have with us somebody who's going to be very interesting. It's going to be a very insightful interview, and it's going to be about helping you develop your wealth regardless of the market. So if you're listening to this live, if you're listening to this three years from now, if you're listening to it five years from now, and the economy may be different at that time from what it is now, Rest assured, these are timeless strategies that you'll be able to adapt and place into any economic box, so to speak. To share with us on this today, I have with us Sari Ibrahim. Let me tell you about him. He's a financial planner and a member of the Bank on Yourself organization. He helps real estate investors, business owners, and full-time employees grow safe and predictable wealth regardless of market conditions using a financial strategy he's been around for over 160 years, and I cannot wait to see what it is. Sari started his journey when he was in grad school completing his MBA. Ah, fellow MBA. He worked for companies like Allstate, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, Cigna Health Spring, and Humana for founding Financial Asset Protection, which is a financial services firm that focuses on one sole concept, the bank on yourself concept, also known as the infinite banking concept. Lots of fun terms here. All right, Sari Ibrahim, come on in. The weather's fine. Hey, Adam, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. You betcha. Now, I just read off your official bio, and candidly, it's so impressive. I'm not sure if I'm worthy to be here, and this is my show. What we like to do before we get into the primary content of what we're going to be discussing is just sort of take a journey with our guests. So tell us a little bit about what personally has motivated you and driven you and brought you to where you are today, serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. And again, I'm uh, honored to be here. Uh, I'm glad to talk about uh, my journey as well as the concept with the audience. Um, it started off around the time I was in grad school. 
um, which was about five years ago. I was doing my master's degree in business. And at that time, I kind of just wanted to work somewhere to get experience. I had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, I started working at Allstate Insurance in, in sales and risk mitigation. And I really liked, I really th- liked the idea of insurance and kind of pr- helping p- people protect their assets and protecting things that mattered. Most of them, I liked the, the idea. And I also liked the way that insurance companies think and the way that like large banks think. And it led me to um, becoming self-employed. I became a Medicare consultant. I was working with companies like, as you mentioned, Blue Cross, Humana, Cigna, and I was helping a lot of Medicare beneficiaries, people who are on Medicare, um, uh, switching over from their employer plans to their individually owned plans. So I was like their consultant. I also liked that too, because I wasn't just like, you know, this insurance salesperson. I was their uh, problem solver. I was their consultant and I really enjoyed it. And one of my clients asked me, if I could help him with life insurance and specifically he asked, you know, the way he asked it was, can you help me? There's a life insurance policy that has cash value. It grows over time. And I didn't really understand much of it, but I, we had a good relationship and I told him I would do more research for him and I'll get back to him. So I went to Amazon, believe it or, believe it or not, I went to Amazon and I searched for books on uh, life insurance. And I came across this book called the bank on yourself revolution by Pamela Yellen. And what this book talks yeah. about, it talks about the strategy, the bank on yourself strategy. So it kind of opened up my eyes. And I was like, you know, as I'm reading through this book, I'm like, this, this is very applicable, not just to my Medicare client, but to anybody out there, especially business owners. So uh, I made it my goal to become a bank on yourself professional. I went through the organization and, and that's what I want to talk about today is what is this bank on yourself concept and how is it beneficial for business owners? Fantastic. So tell us about it. Let's start by defining our terms. Yeah, absolutely. And as you mentioned earlier, it's also known as the infinite banking concept. Yes. Um, it is it, it is you, you using cash value life insurance. And before I get too far into life insurance, I want to just back up for a second. There's typically three types of life insurance. And by all means, this is not a pitch for life insurance. This is just a, right. this is a, a, a way to convey the concept. And the underlying asset of this concept is uh, dividend paying whole life insurance. But for the audience that doesn't know anything about life insurance, there's typically three types. There's term, whole life, and universal. Term okay. is like a, has a set period of time. It has, somebody could get it for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. It has a start date. It has an end date. Um, it's life insurance only. There's no equity or cash value in it. And it, um, whole life is the opposite of that. It's for your whole life. There's a start date, but not necessarily an end date. The only way it ends is if you pass away or reach age 121 or cancel the policy. But other than that, it's for your whole life. And there's equity or cash value in the policy that's building up. And the universal, uh, I won't get too far into it, but it's a combination of term and whole life. For the purpose of understanding bank on yourself, it is using the ca- the middle one, whole life insurance, the cash value whole life insurance. And there's a reason why. Uh, it's because that the, the policy earns interest and dividends over time. It grows tax deferred. There's a lot of tax benefits involved. There's safety of principle. Uh, and this is something that we've seen help a lot of business owners is using infinite banking or bank on yourself in their business by using this concept. So that's kind of overall what the concept is. Again, it's using whole life insurance, the cash value part. Uh, and I'll get into more on, it can't just be with any insurance company, but I'll, I'll get into more later on, on which companies and, and things like that. But to understand the concept is using cash value, whole life insurance. And I guess, Adam, one other way to, to talk about infinite banking is not just what the concept is, but to address the problem. So some common problems that people have, not just business owners, but also I, I, people have are taxes, um, the amount of interest they pay to lenders and, and other institutions, um, uh, market risks, and the um, the need for liquidity and, and borrowing money. These are kind of problems that everybody has, whether they're business owners, real estate investors, um, full-time employees. 
and infinite banking helps address those problems. Right. That's, fa that's fantastic. So, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting that folks are trying to figure out where's the best place to get their return on investment. Mm -hmm. Is it life mm -hmm. insurance? Is it the stock market? Is it cryptocurrency of which there seems to be a new coin emerging just about every <laughs> single day that, uh, that, can be dramatically affected if an investor goes on a comedy show and makes an offhand comment. Uh, so very volatile, a lot of fun. Just within the past uh, short period of time, I've seen people make fortunes and lose fortunes on mm -hmm. the Bitcoin, the doggy coin. And I think it's funny they call it doggy coin because the original Italian pronunciation would probably be a real struggle for some folks. And uh, there's also uh, there's also a network I'm familiar with called Rally, where content creators create their own coins. I have a couple of friends who are doing that. So I gave 50 bucks to each one of them just to show my support. Mm -hmm. And as a result of that, I think I've made about two grand total aggregate yeah, about 700 bucks so far. It's only 50 bucks I was doing it to help a friend. So I'm just letting them ride. Mm -hmm. But the fact is there are all these little places that you can make money. So couple that with the fact that in many cases, the person looking to get started building wealth is coming from a place where they don't even have enough money to start building wealth. What? How do you get somebody from point zero to point A so they can start traveling toward point B? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it all starts with... Um... You know, we, we consider ourselves more as coaches and not like financial advisors, more as financial coaches and financial helpers. So it all starts with identifying where they're at right now and where they want to go, where they want to go in the next five years, 10 years, 20 years. And we kind of like we have always a financial analysis with all our clients and we ask questions that dig deeper into who they are and why they want to go in a certain direction. So, for example, if somebody says, I want to retire in the next 10 years. We ask, what, is, what does that mean? What does that word ret retire mean to you? It means different right. things to different people. So it all starts with number one, identifying where they're currently at right now. And then how do we get, and, and then what are their goals? And then how do we get to their goals? And what are some things? And you know, Adam, what's, what's interesting is after you know, a few years of doing this and, and, and working with you know, different companies and different people, um, I came across like, you know, uh, not came across, but kind of just zoomed in on the difference between consulting and coaching. And I've, I've seen that like, you know, consulting would be somebody telling you do, you know, ABC or do one, two, three and follow these steps. Whereas coaching, it's like, you know, you get the other person to say it, you get the other person who's being coached to say, oh, I need to do ABC or I need to do steps one, two, and three. And then when you do it that way, you end up owning that property. You end up owning that intellectual property instead of just copying it, uh, you end up owning it. And the same is true with financial coaching is that. You could read, you could, and I think definitely you should, everybody should read and, and watch videos on financial literacy, but it clicks when you own it, when you say, all right, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do, you know, A, B, and C to get to financial freedom, or I'm going to do, you know, X, Y, and Z to get there. And that's what we help our clients and, and, and people that we are affiliated with. That's what we help them do. Right. Okay. Uh, that, yeah, that's all very well. So what I'd like to explore a little bit further is what would you say to somebody, uh, who doesn't even have a hundred dollars right now. I mean, with all this stuff with debt and mm -hmm. the, the economy and unemployment and everything else and the dislocations, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. People who are, let me bifurcate this a little bit further before you answer. Let's say you have somebody who has a bit of credit card debt yeah. and it's not, you know, it's at the point where they have a couple cards that are maxed out 
And they understand that all they need to do is find a way out of it. They, it's not a problem with their, their mindset. They don't necessarily have a poverty mindset. They understand that creating revenue is a fast, is a fast and effective way, or at least can be, to get out of debt. So focus on the revenue side, raise more cash, pay it down, instead of uh, looking for what you can cut in your life to, to force it to happen. Okay, we get that. Now, they also understand that uh, there are things like debt consolidation out there. And uh, theoretically, it's pretty simple. You just find a buyer for your debt, put it all in one place, pay it off over five years at a lower interest rate. And then in the meantime, you're loosened up and now you have money that the you can invest and you can uh, get your credit score ticking back up while you're working on that. But then they hit the brick wall of they get all the offers in the mail saying, let us consolidate your debt and we'll, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll put you at 3.9 for five years this is what your payment will look like. And mm-hmm. this is especially helpful for you if you're looking to rebuild your credit. And then the first thing they say is your credit's not good enough. Go away. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of counterintuitive where it's like you went, you went there in the first place because of the credit issues and they can't help you because of credit issues. Right. Um, yeah. So one thing that I've been um, working on myself personally, I did fall when I started my business, I did fall into credit card debt because I didn't, I couldn't qualify for a business loan. I didn't have any collateral. I didn't have any real estate. I didn't, I couldn't get, you know, I think like something crazy, like 90% of business loans are denied because it's not enough collateral, not enough experience, not a good relationship with the bank. So I was in that situation. I really wanted to start a business. I didn't have enough in savings and reserves. So I used credit cards, plain and simple. Right. I used credit cards with 0% interest. I had really good credit, so I got really high limits. I, I think that was a good thing and a bad thing that I got high limits on my credit card. I, I follow you. <laughs> <laughs> so so what, I, what happened was is I got into this you know massive credit card debt. My numbers were way off from projecting you know, cash flow to paying down the credit cards. The, the following year came, so the interest went up now from 0% to like 16.5%. So now yeah. I had these massive interest payments every month. So this, what happened was it put me in a situation where now, now I had to shift gears and I had to... Uh, coach myself. I had to figure out a way to get out of this mess. I didn't want to, you know, file bankruptcy just for you know twenty thousand dollars of credit card debt. It wasn't worth it. It wasn't that big of a problem. It's solvable. So I realized that one issue I had was uh, clarity in the sense of knowing my numbers. So what I did was this happened about three years ago. I started something called a personal financial tracker. And what I do is I have just a Google sheet or an Excel sheet. It doesn't have to be any high tech software. It's just uh, just a regular uh, Google sheet or Excel sheet. And I list the days and the date. So for example, today is Friday the 14th. I would list that. And then I would, I would have on one side of it, my checking account savings, my cash value, life insurance policy, um, some Bitcoin I have or and other po- positive assets that I have. And I would list the account balances for that whole day. So today, you know, my checking account is X amount, savings account is X amount, Bitcoin is at this value, and then total sum of assets. And then I would have, you know, how much money I made, I made today, whether it was from my work or from whatever sources of income I would, I would list in and I would list the, the, the source of that income. And then on the right side of that, further on the right side of that, I would list each credit card. So credit card number one, credit card number two, credit card number three, and even the name of it, like, you know, Bank of America, you know, whatever, uh, Chase Bank. And I would have the credit cards listed and I would have the debt for that date listed in red. So, you know, 5,000, 3,000, each one, whatever. And then the sum of total debt for that day. Now, after doing this, what happens is you get to see what you want to improve. And then you might list all your credit cards and see that one of them is $5,000 and the other one's $300. Right. And you say, you know what? I'm going to tackle the $300 one first. Now, when you do this, it creates more, more, more momentum now. Now you're seeing numbers go down. 
you're seeing some numbers go down and then you're seeing some numbers go up. You're seeing assets increase. You're seeing, all right, you know, what can I do to increase income? Well, you know, I can probably do this where I can get a promotion that'll increase that column. Or I could, you know, uh, get this other client and that'll increase the commissions by this much. And it gets you, every, and I do this every single day. I do this seven days a week in the morning. It takes me about 15 minutes to do this exercise every single day, logging into all my accounts, um, putting them in there. And some people might say that's redundant to do it every single day, but um, it's changed my life because I know my numbers so well. I've memorized them. I know how to move these numbers. I know how to move debt down. I know how to move assets up. I know how to increase, you know, cash value in life insurance. I know how to um, uh, increase um, income now because I know what to look for and I understand my numbers very well. And I've actually created this tracker that I share with clients on how to use it. Um, and I guess the point of this, Adam, is that clarity. Clarity is super important. The clarity of where you're going, especially financially, is far more important than the actual money that you have. Meaning there are people who um, are in debt, but they have a solid vision and they're getting success every day because they know what they're doing. And then vice versa, there's people with you know millions of dollars who feel overwhelmed and swamped because they don't know their numbers. They don't know how much that they have. They don't know where their money's sitting. Um, and I think that identifying these with crystal clarity will help you achieve the goals that you want. You know, it's interesting what you say. Uh, you're saying spend every day on this. Log into your accounts, even if you haven't used the card, even if you haven't put mm -hmm. any money in or taken out. See what's different. Compare it to your tracker and look at what can I do today. So, uh, do I have a do I have a client prospect I could possibly mm -hmm. bring in? Uh, uh, is do do I do I know that there's a new client onboarding in a month? where I can plan ahead, there's going to be some new cash flow here. I mm -hmm. mean, these are different things you can look at. Now, in the now in other forms of entrepreneurial teaching, we're told, and this is something that uh, you know one of my coaches has shared with me, is that the fastest way out of this is basically to focus only on the revenue generation side so that you get the money faster. And every so often, like every couple weeks, look at, okay, so now I have some money. What can I pay down? Mm -hmm. I'm not sure the two things entirely conflict with each other, uh, but I can uh, but I can see both sides of it. On the one side, you're saying, okay, well, all this worrying about money, I'm not going to worry about it, okay? Mm -hmm. I know none of the cards are maxed out. I'm not mm -hmm. using them. I can it, it will keep for a couple weeks. So for 14 days, I'm going, I'm banging out, and I'm getting clients. 14 days later, I have some payments in the bank. Now I come back and I say, Okay, what can I pay down? What can I wipe out? What can I transfer? Uh, but on the other hand, uh, what I'm hearing from you, Sari, is you look at it every day, and it and when you focus the energy correctly from within you, mm -hmm. that it drives you to do client acquisition, revenue acquisition, and those types of activities because you see. Oh yeah, I've got fourteen thousand eight hundred on a fifteen thousand dollar card, and man, I tell you, if I can close this twenty thousand dollar deal, uh, I can wipe this one out. So I'm going to rock this presentation and get that money. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. You're giving you're giving purpose and and purpose to your actions every day. It's not just money in, money out. Um, there's purpose behind the dollars you're making and spending and. And you mentioned something, energy, you know, entrepreneurship is, you know, about 80% to 90% of entrepreneurship is ma managing your emotions and your energy. Um, because the cool thing about, you know, being human is that your subconscious mind takes over your, your, where your energy, I think what the saying is, um, where your focus goes, your energy flows. 
So your subconscious mind tackles things that deep down the way that based on the way you program it. So if every day you're seeing your numbers, you're seeing your debt, you're seeing your assets, eventually when you get on calls with clients, when you get on the call with calls with potential employees and potential employers, partners, investors, you start to say the right things and do the right things because subconsciously you are thinking about your finances, not in the moment. You're not thinking about, you know, your credit card debt while you're talking to a client. I'm not but, worrying about like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to hate this client. I'm going to hate this deal, but damn it. I got to close it to pay off the Amex. You're not thinking that at all. You're yeah, taking yeah. that P. I just want to interject and make sure we're setting that aside because that's debilitating. Oh, oh, 100% Adam. Exactly. I'm not thinking about anything else, but that client, I'm thinking about how I'm helping that client, but subconsciously, I'm caring more about helping people and doing more things because um, you have more on the table. You, you, you've conditioned yourself, you're programming yourself. Again, yeah, you're absolutely right. I'm not thinking of anything negative um, that's happened to me before where I'm talking to people and I'm, my mind is somewhere else and it kills the deal, of course, because you're not in the moment, you're not present. Um, so by any means, and this is not supposed, and some, some people will say, well, I don't want to look at my credit card debt every day or I don't want to see it every day, but you have to face it. You have to confront it every day. You have to see it. And again, in the morning before you do anything else. So this way, everything else in your day revolves around solving that problem because you can't hide a problem just because you don't see it every day doesn't mean it's not there anymore, but look at it, confront it. And then in the morning, I do, I do this around seven to eight o'clock in the morning, way before I start my day. So that way, by the time I get on the phone with clients, I'm not really directly thinking about, you know, that I'm not thinking about all these things, um, but I am programming my mind to think of how do I solve the, the financial issues as well as how do I help the clients, of course, that which comes number one. Right. So we're taking the energy and we're just mm -hmm. making it a positive and we're refocusing it. So, yeah, how the hell am I ever going to get out of this debt? Mm -hmm. uh, these uh, supposed consolidation agencies are just jerking me around. Mm -hmm. A traditional bank is going to pummel me to death with stupid questions because on the one hand, they've been directed to decline all applications. And on the other hand, they legally can't just decline them. So, yeah. and I've been through that before. I, I can remember back in 2000, oh, let's go back to 2008. This is before the bubble burst. And I was just a couple mm -hmm. years in the business. And boy, I tell you, I worked out of a home office. I had loan officers from banks showing up at my mm -hmm. residential door uninvited, unannounced, and unexpected with pre-completed small business loan paperwork where all I had to do was give them a number. They would call the office, get an instant approval, and I'd sign on the dotted line and voila, line to credit. Wow. So uh, I, so after that first couple of years in business, I ran up some business credit cards while I was getting the revenue piece of my business up and running. And I thought, okay, well, all right, cool. I'll take out a debt consolidation loan and wrap these up, lower interest rate, bang it out. Uh, wrapped up $30,000, put it on a five-year term, made every payment on time, paid it off on time. Now fast forward to 2013. And I thought, okay, well, I paid off this one. I got a successful business loan on the books, paid off, looks great. Uh, in the meantime, I have uh, put a little bit on this business card and this business card, and there's a tap into the line of credit. So let's do it again. It was fun the first time. We'll try it again. Now I'm in an environment like I just described where they already have determined they're not going to give me the loan to begin with, but then they can't just come out and say it. So they're going to put me through a bunch of hoops. Finally, mm -hmm. it got to the point, Sari. And remember, this is a business loan dealing with business issues only. The 
underwriters and mm-hmm. believe me i use that term loosely uh well <laughs> that's that's a separate conversation believe me uh decided that uh, their latest stall tactic was to demand a written explanation for me as to why i had a student loan okay i was 36 wow. years old I'd completed undergrad, which I largely paid off, but I'd also done an MBA at Duquesne University, which was entirely loan financed, except mm-hmm. for some, you know, some tuition help from my employer at the time, which amounted to maybe about one fifth of the total cost of my MBA. And any, so I, I'm thinking, okay, first of all, this is about business. What the fuck do you care about my personal loan? Number one. Okay. Okay. For for our listeners, every so often I drop one. That's the one you were tuning in for. So that's number one. And set and set and second, I'm thinking it's a stupid question. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a 36 year old guy who's only, who's only 11 years uh, past the end of his education. Of course I have a student loan goodness gracious unless i was like unless my parents were like independently billionaire wealthy everybody has a student yeah. loan these days goodness everybody yeah gracious mm-hmm. and uh and i pointed that out and they said no 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 we need you to submit in writing why you have a student loan balance so i wrote yeah you know college is expensive between tuition and books and everything else so i took out a student loan to finance a meth lab so that i could sell drugs <laughs> and i used that money to pay the tuition and uh and they threatened to go legal on me because they didn't appreciate my sarcasm and my and my um, lack of professionalism in the interaction, and wow. uh, and tried to scare me into thinking I just broken some law by written that. At that point, at that point, I just uh, I told the uh, loan officer, and he's actually a friendly guy. I just said, you know what, I'm done with you uh, as far as this. If they want to continue the charade, make up answers to me and submit them on my own behalf. I'm done with this. I know you guys aren't going to help me. And no, I won't call you again when I have uh, when I have a better situation. So this is the reality that people face. Supposedly, there are resources out there that can help anybody. But then when you actually go for the help, they come up with reasons not to give it to you. Mm-hmm. In another episode of Business Creators Radio Show, I cannot remember which one it was. We discussed the same thing. And part of the theme of it, I'm going to have to look up and figure out which one it is. I'm not sure if it was Ace Chapman or somebody else. But one of the one of the uh, the things that they pointed out is what address are you putting down for the business? Mm -hmm. So if you're using a mailbox at a UPS store, which any work from home entrepreneur should be doing, they should have an external mailbox that should not be coming to their home. That's number one. Uh, Or or they have, or their address is like one of those buildings in Delaware that has 12,000 businesses in it where they just have a big mail room uh, because the incorporation company works out of there and they just let everybody use their mailing address, put a suite number on it. The, uh, the algorithms that the, the financial institutions share keep lists of these things. And if your address shows up on any of those lists, it's an automatic red flag. And at that point, they're just going to string you along. So this gets into the whole thing of rent a virtual office space, uh, get a little cubicle and hang your business license on the wall. Okay, yeah, that's real good. Now that uh, you know, for months, uh, these places, they wouldn't even let people in. And uh, now some of them are closing because once everybody experienced the joys of working from home, they say, oh, to hell with office space. A lot of catch 22s here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I want to, um, you just brought up two things. So number one, the first thing I thought about is uh, a quote from Mark Twain. 
He said, uh, a banker is a fellow who will loan you his umbrella when the sun is shining, but wants it back the second it starts raining. I like that. It's very <laughs> pertinent. And the second is I actually did on my show, uh, Thinking Like a Bank, the podcast, I did bring on a, a business credit expert. He's with the company Credit Suite. And they did talk about, he did talk about that, um, about having consistency with your business address and other things like that, like small details that banks look for to make sure you're a legit business, to make sure you're following, you know, you're um, practicing something called separateness where you're separating yourself from the business properly, legally. Uh, So yeah, I definitely, and I think these little, you know, bits and um, pieces are really important for a lot of business owners because this is why 90% of business applications are denied, uh, mostly due with not knowing how, not knowing what the, not, not knowing what the bank is looking for. And the reason why I named the show Thinking Like a Bank is because I am super fascinated by how banks think, you know, and we, we help people become their own bankers using the bank on yourself concept. But one thing that's interesting is that, for example, if, if you went to, you know, Sam's Club or Costco or just any retail store out there and, you know, they have their inventories on their shelves, if people don't walk in there and buy those products off their shelves, they go out of business. They have employees, they have electricity, they have property taxes, rent, all these things. So just like any other business, they need people to come in there. And I'm just using Sam's, not Sam's Club and Costco as examples, but you, you need people to come in there and buy. And the same is true with banks. Banks have money in reserves. They need that money. They need customers to walk into the bank and they need them to borrow that money to use it to stay in business. If that money just sits right. there, that bank goes out of business. So it's just kind of counterintuitive how you know you need to know what the bank is thinking. Um, you need to know how to think like a bank in order to access their money and also for you to become your, your own source of financing, which is a huge benefit of the bank on yourself concept is that you just cut, cut into one of the benefits is that when you fund, when you, when you have this whole life policy and as you're funding it, when you want to borrow against it, there's absolutely no collateral needed other than the policy itself. So you go to the insurance oh, company. Oh, pause, pause. So you said with a whole life insurance policy, you can borrow against it without collateral, which translates to the term unsecured, because that's another thing that I kept running into. I don't own mm-hmm. real estate yet. I yeah. didn't think I really should because I don't want to be pinned down anywhere geographically. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I've never owned a house. It's you know the idea of homeowners doesn't attract me. I like mm-hmm. the idea that if something breaks in my apartment, I make a call and they come and fix it. Uh, yeah. So, but uh, at any rate, that's what I kept running into was unsecured. So. Mm-hmm. In fact, that that 2013 thing, uh, after I after I told the loan officer that I just wasn't going to participate in their charade anymore, he said, you know, if you just owned a house, we could have taken care of this a long time ago. Okay, continue. I wanted to interject that because I want our listeners to hear a way to get unsecured money. Go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. So from your whole life policy, when you borrow, there's, there's only three questions. It's a one page application, a one page document. There's three page, there's, there's three questions on it. What's your policy number? How much do you want? Which could be any number uh, up to 90% of your cash value. So if you have a hundred thousand dollars in cash value, you can borrow up to $90,000 or you know, right. any amount. And then where do you want to send it? Do you want a, a check from the insurance company mailed to you? Or do you want an ACH deposited into any bank account that you want? So this right here, this is a huge advantage for a lot of real estate investors and business wow. owners is that they can keep coming across more liquidity without having to qualify. Plus, you don't, it's not on your personal credit. So if somebody does a you know, background check or credit check on you, it's not going to show up that you know you owe you know this insurance company fifty thousand dollars. It could be millions of dollars. It's a it's a confidential loan, which whole stretch- life. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm gonna have to check. I have three life insurance policies. I'm gonna have to check if one of them is a whole. I could have some money today. 
Yep, exactly. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, candidly, and I think you're getting this, you're speaking basically with a financial illiterate. Um, I have an awesome financial advisor who's also my CPA, and I pay uh -huh. him a lot of money to know this stuff for me. Uh -huh. uh, but, uh, and again, this is why I wanted to have you on the Business Creators Radio Show, not only for my benefit, for our listeners' benefit. Sometimes folks don't even know the questions to ask. Like, it never occurred to me, never even occurred to me to say, could you borrow against your life insurance? Mm -hmm. Holy moly! <laughs> yeah, and and Adam, um, not only you, not only could you do that, or, or you're able, you're able to do that, but also um, there's actually ways that it's it, to to show or convey that it's better to use if it's from the right company, the right policies, the right the structure, the right way. It's better to use those life insurance policy loans than it is to use any other form of financing, including cash financing. For example, um, if you had, you know, $100,000 in cash value in your policy, you needed, you know, $90,000 to borrow for, to, for your business, to start a business, to grow your business, whatever the case might be, you go to the policy, you borrow, that form of money that you're using is best to use from your insurance policy than it is to use cash from a checking account. Because when you use cash, you can no longer earn interest on that money. You've just right. burned that, you've just exchanged that cash for something else. And you can no longer earn interest on that money. And then of course, if you went to another lender, you have to abide by their terms, which is a problem in itself. And you have to pay the interest to them. So over time, some of your profits go to them. I did a webinar the other day and I was saying that as business owners and real estate investors are expanding and getting on more lines of credit and more financing and more credit cards, they're essentially like sales reps for banks. They're bringing in more business for the banks, you know, passively. They're, the bank is earning passive income from business owners and real estate investors over time. They want you to work for them. So when you're utilizing the infinite banking concept, you are actually becoming the bank. You are reaping those benefits. So it's best for you to borrow from the policy, pay back the term, pay back on your own terms, let the interest go back to an insurance company in which you're a mutual owner of and kind of keep doing that over and over again, rather than using cash or rather than using third-party lending. Now, here's a twist to it though. I'm not saying to completely avoid all third-party lending. We have clients sometimes in some situations because interest rates are so low right now, as far as more lending uh, mortgages, people will refinance their properties, take out loans against their properties, and then use those to finance whole life insurance and then use that to finance other things they want. So they're thinking like a bank right now. They're thinking, how do I leverage money on my own terms? Not, I'm not leveraging money because I need money. I'm leveraging money because I want this extra money. It's a, it's a, it's, it's on sale today. You know, interest rates are super low. Yeah. Um, capital is on sale today. So I want to leverage this capital for my business. I could do more for it than it's sitting in my home or sitting somewhere else. I could use that money in different places. So that's kind of what we show clients. That's how we show, that's what we show clients. What we, do. we show them how to become their own banks, how to become their own bankers. Yeah, this is uh, this is an interview that even I wasn't expecting. And I did check you out before we had you here on the show. And these are things, wow, borrow against your whole life insurance policy. I, I, I almost want to just say, thanks, Harry, catch you later and go check my insurance and see if that's there for me right now. Because, and, and, and I mean, because think of it. I mean, some folks may say, yeah, well, I'm going to take $100,000 off my whole life. But what if that, but what if, and I think I'm asking rhetorically at this point, what if they found themselves at a point where they just need to bridge a gap and $5,000 would more than do it. And they know they could return that $5,000 in 90 days, even if they weren't obligated to do so. Well, how I have a hundred thousand in whole life. I'll just grab five grand. Okay. I can enjoy my weekend now. Yeah. Whoo. <laughs> 
Exactly. Yeah. You could, you could borrow that 5,000 pay back on your own terms and something we encourage our clients to do. We never want our clients to think that it's an either or situation. It's either, you know, I, I keep investing in my business or I buy property or I, or, or I, or I save it into a whole life policy. Rather you could do, you could do all those things, all of the above. You could fund the whole life policy, grow it, borrow against it, use for your business, use for everything else. So there's no end to it. So it's, it's the start of many things when you're doing your whole life policy and we absolutely encourage clients to borrow against it and then use that to multiply their money over and over again, to have a snowball effect as far as, because when you borrow from the policy, it keeps growing as if you never touched it because yeah. of it's called non-direct recognition. It doesn't recognize the loan when you borrow against it, if it's from the right company and structured the right way. So that helps you take on more projects and, and more investments without interrupting your overall savings plan. And then it's something that business owners need to remember is that you're getting into business to grow wealth, hopefully to grow wealth over time, not just to keep spinning your tires, spinning your wheels in the same place with more problems and more employees and more customers and more and more and more. There yeah. has to be the objective of more wealth growing over time. You have to see some numbers increasing over time, some sort of cash reserves or contingency funds that are yeah. growing over time that you can actually keep with you. Regardless of, you know, if you have your business or not, you have the wealth outside of your business. And that's what this concept can help with. And that's what we show our clients what to do or how to do it. Right, right, right. I'm, yeah, I'm in the, I mean, I've just recently developed a wealth building strategy of my own. It's my five-year plan, which I've just gotten started with. And a piece of that is in year two, my plan is to begin acquiring rental properties. Mm -hmm. And if I need to, if I need to, I'll push it back to year three, but my goal is year two. Uh, the idea, the idea being is, uh, I still don't want a house, mm -hmm. but I like the idea that that's pretty much money in a bank when you think about it. And even if you're not making a lot of cash flow on, especially on your first couple, the fact is your tenants are paying your mortgage for you. Absolutely. If they're, if they're, if they're hot water, if they're hot water tank breaks, then hopefully you're smart and you're charging a bit more for their rent than your mortgage payment is and banking some cash. So if the hot water breaks, you just go into the Sesco account, cut a check, hot water heater in their unit. Yep. Mm -hmm. That's that sort of thing. So uh, now again, because this is about thinking like a bank, mm -hmm. I do want to raise the question. And this kind of is almost a repeat of what I said earlier, but now we're applying it to getting it started with real estate investing. Uh, if you don't have a lot of cash right now, mm -hmm. or you're in that situation where your credit could be excellent, if only somebody would just buy your credit card debt and let you get out of the hole so you can pay yep. the damn thing off. <laughs> so uh, so uh, bottom line is you don't have a bunch of money around and you don't have a wealthy aunt you don't have a wealthy aunt Irma in Wyoming who can mm -hmm. just, uh, who just loves you to pieces and will gladly give you that $50,000 that's sitting in her bank account right now. Uh, what can you do to get started? I mean, we hear that there are government programs, particularly if somebody's listening to this and they're like me and they've never owned a house before, which means even at 44 years old, you're still a first time homeowner. Uh, is there anything else out mm -hmm. there that helps you do it? Little to no cash down. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so as far as government programs, I haven't, the only government programs I know of are because of, you know, COVID and, you know, SBA, the EIDL yeah. loan and PPP. 
But as far as somebody starting out, um, I really, I, it goes back to what we mentioned earlier. I really think that it's, it's, it's smart to identify where you're at, where you want to go, how, what kind of problems you're having right now and how you want to get out of these problems, which we do for our clients for free. Our, our financial co consultations and coaching is all free with our clients. Uh, we get paid from the insurance company. So this is something we can kind of add on as an additional benefit to our uh -huh. clients without having, without them having to worry about paying upfront for these, for these calls. So uh, we could do a free financial analysis. We identify everything that you want to do, your goals, your needs, wants, everything on paper. We list it all out. And then about a week later, maybe one week to two weeks later, we do a solution presentation. We show you, Mr. Client, Mrs. Client, this is some things that you could do. You can take advantage of this. You could do, you know, this, you could lower this, you can increase that. And you could even do, you know, this policy. It all fits within your budget. It gives them a roadmap now of what, of how they can solve their problems or some other problems or actually start working on them because some things could be done. Some things could be changed in like, you know, a day. Like for example, if the problem is they have no idea how much that they have, they just see how a lot of envelopes, well, we can solve that problem by laying everything out, you know, in one phone call, that's easy. Now wiping out all the debt that could take, you know, two or three years to do, but yeah, everything is, you know, one time I was, um, I do a lot of boxing, right? I, I go to the gym, I do boxing. And I had this trainer that was holding pads for me. And he said, all right, you know, I'm going to throw, you know, a jab at you. And then you slip to um, your right. So he threw a jab and I moved to my right to get out of the way. And then he's like, you move too far. And then I, I try that again. So he threw another jab at me and he kind of hit me in my forehead, not too hard, but he's like, are right, you getting it out of the way? He's like, you see, boxing is a game of inches, not miles. You need to move, but not too far, but not too little. And then that kind of triggered something in my brain. I was like, all right, you know, business and financial planning is the same exact way. It's a game of inches and not a game of miles. It's about moving small things every single day to not get hit, to not get knocked out, to stay in the game. Um, so I think that it's, it's about moving small things every single day and like identifying your debt, how much is it? Where is it at? Is it something that we could go to a third party to help with? Is it something that we shouldn't do that? All these things are, you know, we want to inch by inch, piece by piece, break them down, chip them down, and then vice versa. We're building wealth also piece by piece every single day. Uh, client bases, marketing, branding, all these things also takes a long time too, but it's all about the small actions every single day, both on the positive side and on the negative side. We're reducing the negative side of debt and the other things that are in your way, and then increasing the other side every single day, inch by inch, because all these things take time. Nobody can come to you and say, all right, you know, I'll help you launch your business, create brand equity, reduce all right. your debt, and help you buy real estate in a week. You know, it's impossible. No, not happening. <laughs> and you should run. If somebody does that to you, you should run. <laughs> yeah, I've got, I've, I've, got a, I've got a friend that's uh, looking to get me into certain things involving um, involving uh, authorized users on credit and things like that, which you know, <laughs> I've checked out and it sounds promising. Uh, I know there's a lot of different options there and I can't do it all at once. Mm -hmm. And uh, And I know for a lot of folks, in the entrepreneurial world today, regardless of how many else's Ferraris they've posed beside, mm -hmm. uh, they don't necessarily have $100,000 just activate something right now. Yep, yep. Uh, like I, I got, I've told people, I've had a financial investor for years. I have a simple IRA plan that's growing. There's a nice little piece of money there for me. Uh, and now I'm getting in, you know, started in investing in cryptos and, and individual stocks and things like that. And I don't 
have all kinds of money, but I have a few hundred dollars here and there. Mm -hmm. So I go and, you know, if I, you know, if I'm watching financial news or I'm just looking at what's going on in society, like, for example, uh, this may change depending on somebody's listening to this. There are a lot of folks out there saying that regardless of your feelings about electric cars, put a little bit of money there because the indicators tell us that we may be going into a push where that becomes sustainable where we may be seeing investments in infrastructure so the power lines are strong enough. We may see investments in charging statements, uh, stations. We may see investments in being able to more ecologically and economically handle lithium recycling. Uh, all these different things that could make, uh, and, and now you have some you know, radicalized governments that are saying, okay, we're just going to ban fracking and drilling for oil. So, Part of the reason they're doing that is to force the pain of making the electric cars happen. I think back 20 years ago, the idea of a flat screen TV, I'm going to pay $3,200 for a flat screen TV. My Zenith is fine. Well, all it needed was two things. Early people to jump and pay the $3,200 because, oh, I, I like fancy things. And for them to restrict and begin phasing out the supply of the old style TVs, which forces more people to buy the flat screens, meaning that can make the economies of scale happen. Today, any TV you buy is going to be a flat screen and they're going to be, for most people, something they can afford, no problem. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think, I think economies of scale goes into some of the things that you're talking about, too. The idea of not trying to do it all at once, uh, mm -hmm. looking at it every day and looking for the small wins. Oh, where I was going mm -hmm. with this idea of, uh, you, know, be, you know, doing a few hundred dollars here and there based on things I th see are promising. I mean, I do check my crypto every day. I check my individual stocks every day. Uh -huh. uh, that's an action habit I already have. And if hey, if one of them goes up by $10, I do a, uh, I do a one step dance of joy. Because that that's ten dollars that I didn't even have to wake up to get. Oh, so yeah, comp so compound compounding. And the advice I was given by somebody who has actually made a lot of money just following that small strategy is you go for the singles, meaning the single hits using a baseball analogy. Yeah, yeah. Not yeah, most of it's not gonna be a home run. That's why home runs are so legendary and memorable. It's the singles that win the games. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, so um, let me see if there's anything else we need to cover here. This has been a very, very insightful interview here, and I'm really grateful to you for taking uh, time with us. Well, so, you. Um, so you might have touched on this already, but I know there's one other thing that you uh, wanted to, you know, make sure that we emphasize here is uh, whether you invest in your business or you save cash. Which do you prefer and why? I think you already teased this one, but I really want to put this out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just to be clear, it's, it's either investing in your business or saving cash. Yeah. Okay. So uh, obviously both have pros and cons. Um, I think that, you know, if there's a way to do both, I'll take that. And there is a way to do both. It's by saving your money and then accessing it through borrowing against it and having it grow. So that's, kind of, I hope that answers your questions, but I'd rather do both. Now to dig a little bit deeper, again, they both have pros and cons and they both depend on where you're at and where you want to go. So if, you know, if, for example, when I started my business, I didn't care about saving cash at all. I was single, wasn't married, um, still living at home. 
my parents and I needed to just start my, I wanted to start my business. So I didn't care about saving cash at all. I would reinvest all my money, even if it meant being into more debt, which is why I got into more debt. And I I think that was smart and not, it was, it was a good idea. It also wasn't a good idea. It was good because I accelerated experience much quicker and faster, but at the same time, I think that I should have slowed down and, and, and applied both. Um, I, I'm reading this book right now by Ray, Ray Dalio. It's called Principles. It's a phenomenal book. I think every entrepreneur should read it. Every investor, every entrepreneur should read it. And I'm only still like, I'm only like 50 pages in. It's like a 300 page book. I'm only like 50 right. pages in. And Ray, uh, Ray Dalio, the author is saying that um, whenever you come across this like catch 22, like route A or route B, and then they both sound good, but they both have pros and cons. Start off by doing both of them slowly. So you're still in route A and route B, but you're doing both slowly and then figure out a way to connect them and for them to complement each other. So in your question, do I invest back in my business or do I save, take a step back and then separate those two routes, figure out the pros and cons of them, and then try to do both slowly, each one, and then figure out a way to like combine them together. So this way they complement each other throughout time. Yeah. Uh, you know, what I'm thinking of is after I finished my MBA program, I, my concentration was human resource management. And my mm-hmm. goal was to become a training and development director for a Fortune 100. Mm-hmm. So I went and I did the interviews and the hustle. I got the job offers and everything else. In fact, one company wasn't even hiring, but they liked my MBA portfolio so much they were going to create a position for me. Mm-hmm. Turned it all down. <laughs> the reason being is I, I reconnected with uh, one of my earlier mentors who at this stage in his journey owned a training and development consulting firm. And he needed to bring someone in to help him create his presentations, uh, collate data from employee surveys, and develop material for a book that he was developing that was to be published out October. So I caught the entrepreneurial bug. And and, uh, so for two years, I still had my full-time day job. I got promoted diagonally there. And it was back and forth mm-hmm. for about two years, which way I was going to go until something happened one day that made the decision for me very brutally. And no, I'm not going to write about the idiot boss's boss who gave me the kick in the ass that changed my life. I'm not even going to give him credit for it. But the fact is, a lot of us had that story of a decision being brutally made for us. Yeah. yeah. In the meantime, mm-hmm. in the meantime. So what, or actually rather, when I got to that point where I said, all right, entrepreneurship, it is. So I'm giving myself one year to get the hell out of here. I did a few things during that year, and it actually turned out to be 10 months. I got done faster. Uh, One of which is to pay off all my credit card debt. There wasn't that much, done. Pay off my car two years early. That really wasn't hard, done. Uh, Take advantage of everything that company would give me in terms of matching funds, Cool. So I'll have some extra money uh, working for me for those lean years in the business where I might not be able to contribute to my IRA. That's okay. I'll take that too. Uh, Also, even though it was ghastly inconvenient for me because they lived about an hour and 20 minutes from where I worked, I still lived at my parents' house. Now I was Mm -hmm. commuting over an hour each way every day, plus the uh, eight and a half hours at the office. And then I came home and I mostly went upstairs to my little home office and worked on my business. So uh, they didn't charge me rent and they understood what I was doing. And the deal, the deal was very simple. Uh, they weren't going to see much of me. They didn't even have to provide food for me. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, it got to the point, I'll just say this because to me, it's funny to her, not so much, but I, you know, it is what it is. <sighs> my mother's one of those caring, nurturing people. And 
almost every day I'd be at the office and around 4, 10 p.m., my cellular phone would ring and it would be her calling. She was calling to ask what I wanted for dinner. I never answered. And then when I got home and she said, I called you and you didn't answer and you didn't call back. I said, yes, I don't return calls about food. I've already told you, you make what you want. If I don't like it, I'll make my own. So I'm just establishing for you a framework uh, mentally of how I was separating myself from dependency. It was also in my plan the moment I got that entrepreneur oh, thing. You know, the, that was also in my plan the moment I got that entrepreneur thing off the ground. I was moving out. In fact, it wasn't even 45 days I had an apartment because that was also in my plan to do. And I had money saved up for a deposit. I had a little nest egg there in case rent was a problem. I could tap that for four or five months. And at the job, I maxed out my PTO so that once I took the payout, that was equivalent of two more months worth of paychecks. So mm-hmm. basically, I just went on a money grab. <laughs> and and I, I'm blessed that I didn't have a family or a mortgage or anything like that mm-hmm. that enabled me to do it. So what I when I share that story, I tell people, no, I understand not everybody had all those things going for them. Uh, a lot of people don't have parents that are that understanding and loving, uh, except my mother still doesn't understand to this day what the big deal was that I didn't want her to put herself out over dinner but anyway uh, (laughs) anyway uh the point the point being is i would say if you're looking for a place to get started just look around at what you have find something you can start with absolutely yeah all right so we're pretty much at the top of our time here and I myself am very curious. I'm going to be checking out your podcast. Uh, Mm -hmm. You and I may be speaking again at some point here, possibly in the next few weeks, Mm because you've, you know, what you've done here, and I like to share with our listeners, two things about Business Creators Radio Show. Number one, our conversations are are constructed so that the listener is sitting in on a private mastermind session. These are not interrogations. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you gave us suggested interview questions. I made sure we covered all the points in those questions. I just didn't do them as a, as a, a Q&A interrogatory. Uh, B, B, not only am I the host, I'm also the number one listener. I have a pad of paper and two pens in front of me, and I've written down a few aha moments, such as whole life. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, I, and, I'll, and I also have one written down, make spreadsheet, put all credit cards on it, suck it up. So as you said, <laughs> you got to face it. So deal with it and allow, and rather yeah. than get frustrated and get down and get aggravated, depressed, despondent, oh my God, what am I going to do? End up making stupid decisions. Just understand the little warps in the boards on the basketball court so that you can bounce the ball to hit the triple doubles. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you say it any better? Yeah. You, spot on. Yeah. It's, you know, all about those small steps. And, and I know that, you know, I'm sure that the audience is still like, you know, what is this concept though? Like how does it still help, you know, address these things that we talked about? Yeah. But, yeah let's blend, let's blend this into the final question, which is yeah. uh, anybody on the edge of their seat, how do they reach out to you and what they have to look forward to? Yeah. Perfect. Okay. So the, the best way to reach out is our website. It's fin asset protection.com F I N asset, a asset protection.com. And you could yep. also in there you could email me, you can connect, connect with me on LinkedIn. You could schedule a free appointment. And I'll, I'll even uh, throw in a free book for the audience as an, appreci- as an appreciation. 
Uh, it's called Becoming Your Own Banker by Nelson Nash. Nelson Nash invented the uh, infinite banking concept. So I'll throw in a free copy of that book. All you have to do is just reach out to me, um, send me an email, say, hey, I want this free book. I'll send it to you. You don't have to schedule an appointment if you don't want to. Um, the appointments are free if you want to do that free financial analysis. Um, and then also the name of the podcast is Thinking Like a Bank. I have yeah. about nine episodes up already. We're doing a weekly episode. We should have a new one drop. I think today, I got to talk to my podcast producer, but I think it's today the new one that drops. That's, that's probably going to be an almost evergreen statement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, and I definitely, I look forward to talking to you again, Adam. I really appreciated being on. I, I love the questions. I love our conversation. Um, I look forward to reconnecting with you. Sari Abraham, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor and believe me in education. We trust you enjoyed today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. Check out our previous and upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.